today. I'm Rabbi Ken Brodkin. This is the Jewish Growth Podcast. And several weeks ago, I shared a story from my teen years when I found myself amongst a group of friends who wanted to go Christmas caroling. We all have uncomfortable moments as Jews living in a Christian culture, but then there's something that takes it to a whole new level, and that is Christians trying to convert us. Now, this happens most often with the deceitful group that is known as Jews for Jesus. I first learned about this group as a yeshiva student in my early 20s, and I used to listen to tapes from Rabbi Tovia Singer discussing the issue. And at the time, I never thought that I would interact with, much less dine, with Jews for Jay in my own living room. Then I became a community rabbi. As rabbis, we meet all sorts of people. When Michael and Summer Dawson first showed up to Kessar Israel in Portland, Oregon, the fact that they were a bit nonconformist didn't bother me. I met them at a community Hanukkah party and hosted them for a Shabbat meal. And Michael seemed like a regular guy. He homeschooled his kids, which showed some independent spirit, for sure. Summer was quiet. She didn't strike me as ethnically Jewish. But, of course, I worked with my fair share of folks from a non-Jewish background, so there was really nothing out of the ordinary there. And then people started to notice that the Dawsons were doing strange things. What kind of strange things? We'll get back to that, but... First, I have a few words to say about Isaiah 53. You see, I was fascinated with Tobias Singer not so much because I cared about Jews for Jay specifically. As far as I was concerned, I would never meet a Jew for Jay in my life. What I loved about Rabbi Singer was that he exposed me to fascinating parts of Tanakh that I never heard of, like Isaiah 53. Now, Christian missionaries present Isaiah 53 as a proof that Jesus is the Messiah. Of course, nothing could be farther from the truth. They read Jesus into this 12-verse passage about a suffering servant who bears the sins of others and submits himself to executioners. There are verses that sound eerily familiar to those who recognize Christian theology. Listen to the words of the prophet. He was despised and isolated from men as from one whom we would hide our faces. He was despised and we had no regards for him. But in truth, it was our ills that he bore, and our pains that he carried. The prophet continues, He was pained because of our rebellious sins and oppressed through our iniquities. The chastisement upon him was for our benefit, and through his wounds we were healed. God inflicted upon him the iniquity of us all. Is this starting to sound familiar? Now, according to Christianity, the passage is talking about you-know-who bearing the sins of mankind. Christians, of course, are not bothered by the fact that Isaiah lived long before Jesus, and nor are the Jewish people bothered by the fact that this is a futuristic prophecy. But how do we answer Christians who see their Christian story in this chapter? Who is this suffering servant? It's always important to preface any serious Torah study with the following idea, context. The Tanakh is vast, and it's easy to take things out of context for an advantageous reading, and so we need to look at context. The Christian reading of Isaiah 53 conveniently ignores the rest of Yeshayahu Isaiah, especially chapters 41 through 62. 
Most of Yeshayahu is about the relationship between God and the Jewish people, as well as the relationship between specific nations and God. In fact, the breadth of Tanakh really is focused on the relationship between God and Israel. Isaiah and other prophets abound with reference to the Jewish people as God's servants. For example, you can see in Isaiah 41, 8, But you, and you is singular in this verse, you Israel, my servant, you whom I have chosen, offspring of Avraham, whom I loved. On another note, Isaiah 43 says that Israel is God's witness I am him, I am God, God declares. No God was created before me. Nor will there be after me. I am God. And aside from me, there is no Savior. Now, another issue is that Isaiah 53 actually starts in Isaiah 52, verse 13. In fact, all the chaptering in Tanakh comes from non-Jewish sources, so the very idea of Isaiah 53 is a bit arbitrary. The 12 verses in the, of the chapter are connected to both the verses before and after. Now, uh, right before Isaiah 52:13, the prophet finishes a s- sequence in which Israel are referred to as the bearers of God's armor. And from there, we read the end of 52, chapter 53, and that leads us to 54, which is actually the Haftarah for Kitetse, where the Jewish people are called upon to sing out after being humiliated by the nations. And so from the context of Isaiah 51, 52, and 54, there's no question that the servant reference in Isaiah 53 is the nation of Israel. And that is the straightforward meaning of the text general idea is that Israel suffers amongst the nations and will ultimately be redeemed. And of course, Jesus does not fulfill the many conditions that Scripture calls upon for one to be considered the Messiah. But still, the idea that the verses are speaking about Israel does raise another question. It sounds like the Jewish people bear the sins of the nations. But does that really make sense? Apparently not, because the prophet Yechezkel teaches us that a son shall not bear the iniquity of his father, and a father shall not bear the iniquity of his son. There's a similar verse in Devarim 24, 16. It says that fathers shall not die for the children, and children shall not die for the parents. Each individual will only die or be held accountable for their own sins. And so... From this and other places, it seems obvious that Israel should not suffer because of the sins of other nations. The Radak, in his classic commentary, writes that, in fact, Israel does not bear the sins of other nations. Rather, the prophet is putting words into the mouth of other nations. In the future, at the time of redemption, the nations will look at all the suffering that Israel went through in exile, and they will declare it must be that Israel suffered on their account. That is a non-Jewish perspective of the future, but it is not really accurate. Now, in any case, what we see from this whole passage is the deep underlying tension that exists between Israel and the nations. Isaiah is about the relationship between mankind and God, and Israel is at the center of all that. And eventually in the future, through the Jewish people, 
knowledge of God will cover the earth, kemayim liam mechasim, like waters cover the seabed. The scriptures are a revelation of morality, and they weigh heavily on the nations. But the non-Jews interpret scripture in opposition to the truth that the Jewish people are the servant of God, the Almighty takes pride in. A faithful reading of scripture will handily show that the servant of God is Israel and no one else. But this exercise also teaches us something important, and that is the centrality of Torah learning. As Jews, we need to know who we are and what our great classics actually say if we don't want to be shaken by our adversaries. And that brings me back to Michael and Summer Dawson, who were in our community for a short while, about six months in Portland. Now, eventually people got the feeling that they were different. By the way, this, for context, this took place in 2011. A, a congregant joined the Dawsons in their home, and Michael performed a strange uh, Havdalah service. One day, Summer Dawson met uh, a couple of people in the park uh, nearby, and a Christian missionary just happened to show up and start talking with all of them. And so as suspicion grew, we started looking online for more clues as to who these people actually were. And then one day, a, a congregant discovered on a website that Michael and Summer Dawson were actively working together with Pastor Guy Cohen. Now, Guy Cohen, as you might have guessed, is a Messianic Jew actively seeking converts. I confronted Michael and Summer, and I asked them a few questions. Specifically, I asked them if they categorically reject Jesus, which is appropriate for every Jew. Michael's answer, quote, We do not reject Yeshua, the Jewish Messiah. We have no doubts about his identity. My response, I have no doubts that your relationship with our congregation is finished. Sadly, Michael and Summer continued with their deceptions in other communities, Think about how treacherous this is. Lie about who you are so that you can infiltrate and bring people to the supposed truth. I learned a lot going through this situation with the Dawsons. It's important to get to know people coming into the community by asking questions and listening really carefully to their answers. But another lesson for every Jew from this is the importance of learning Torah. Sometimes we might feel intimidated by great books like Isaiah, Yeshayahu, or other passages, people might feel threatened by this idea that the Christians, quote, know the Torah. But all we have to do is learn, because knowledge of Torah is our power. There are two critical areas of learning to consider. The first is basic Jewish knowledge. You will be greatly strengthened by the knowledge of the classics of Jewish learning. Whether it's the Chumash or the Mishnah, there are basic classic texts that form the central body of Jewish knowledge. But secondly, there is Jewish context. This is not only the chapter before and after, which of course is important, but also what we refer to as our Masorah, our tradition. And this commentary can come in so many forms. For example, you may want to study Tanakh, the Bible, and studying the Nachyomi, the daily chapter, you can listen to a daily OU podcast, or you can watch a weekly video from Rabbi David Foreman, or read the Chumash together with Rabbi Sachs and the Parsha. There's so many resources out there today that will help you build knowledge with the context of our Masorah, our tradition. In fact, to help people connect with Jewish learning, I'm going to be launching a learning program in January 
uh, on January 18th. We're going to have five Wednesdays at 8 p.m. on Zoom. We'll be learning the first part of Ramchal's Derech Hashem, a classic of Jewish thought. If you're interested in this, you can reach out to me, rabbibrodkin at gmail.com. Details will be coming out soon. Our, the title of our series is, What Do Jews Believe? And you can join from the comfort of your own living room. Now, wherever you are in your Torah journey, this is a time for us to rededicate ourselves to learning Torah. Jewish communities that learn are Jewish communities that thrive. And as we grow together, we will increase the knowledge of Hashem that one day will cover the earth, like waters cover the seabed. Thanks for being with me. I'm Ken Brodkin, and this is the Jewish Growth Podcast.